Alrighty, welcome back everybody to the It's the Light podcast. We're so happy that you're here. Bray and I are super hyped for the guest that we have today. This is Alicia. We have been in contact with her for the past couple months. It feels like it's been a while. And we just met her officially like 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago. And I already love Alicia's energy. I love how straightforward she is. And we can tell it's just going to be an awesome episode. So welcome to the podcast, Alicia. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm I'm so happy to be here. This I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. So I think Ray's going to kick us off with our first question. We're going to dive right in. Yeah. All right. So Alicia, she told us before that she comes from Salt Lake and then her family moved to St. George for about eight years. And so with that background, Alicia, we kind of want to know uh, kind of how or if the church was prevalent in your life growing up and how so. Did you have two parents? Were they active? Were your siblings into it? Were you into it? Kind of tell us the whole absolutely, thing. Absolutely. So growing up in St. George, we I was a very, very conservative, religious, LDS standard household. I have two older sisters and an older brother. I'm the youngest. And my dad was a convert. So he was, I guess, a little more lax parent. My mom, it was, and my mom's come a long way from where she is now from back then, but it was either her way or no way. And so growing up, yeah, growing up, it was kind of hard because we moved around so much. And so I went to four different elementary schools, one middle school, and then four different high schools. So like we moved so much that, and I also had a hard time in school. Like it was hard to make friends and growing up and, and also growing up in the church, like once I started going to young women's and I was of that age, so we, you know, we're in St. George and then we moved back up here when I was like nine or 10. And that was a really hard adjustment as well, just moving so much and not being able to have any sort of stability or, you know, really make or keep any friends. And it was hard. And I felt like I wasn't really accepted at home because my mom, as I got older and, you know, was in my, you know, middle school and at that age, me and my mom started to clash more and we just did not have a relationship. And I felt like when I went to church, like I wasn't really accepted by the girls at church. I just, I felt like it, I just had a hard time, I, you know, and I felt like I wasn't accepted at home because my mom was just like very, I just felt like I, no matter what I did, it wasn't good enough because I was just, I just felt like I was different, you know, and I, I didn't know why I didn't know what it was, you know, and also when you're a teenager, you're, you're, you don't know anything. You've got lots of feelings. And so you don't know anything anyways. And so, you know, I feel like all teenagers struggle at some point, but it was hard because I didn't want to, I didn't want to go to church anymore. And when we moved back up here, I, I had a harder time. I, I didn't want to go to church anymore. I started hanging out with friends that weren't very good. I didn't want to be, you know, me and my mom just did not have a good, we did, we, we kind of like hated each other, but me and my dad always got along. It was just, my dad was just, it was, it was interesting because my dad was a convert. So he was a little more lax, you know, would kind of swear. He's very sarcastic and just, just a super funny guy. So he, sorry, I'm kind of going back and forth. So he, he passed away. So that's, sorry, that's what I was talking about him in the past tense. Sorry. So jumping forward. So when I was 18, my dad <clears throat> died from an accidental overdose of Soma. And so after he died, it was just kind of me and my mom. And my mom was not in a very good mental place or she wasn't in a very good place mentally. And so I kind of had to take care of her and I kind of had, you know, help out with bills. And before my dad died, she was going to go part time because her health wasn't very good. And 
then when he died, she got a second job. And I was just like, you know, you can't do this. We need to get out of this house. We can't afford it. You know, it was just, but she wanted to keep the house because it was the house that like my dad picked out and, or are you saying something to me? And so, yeah, it was the house that uh, my dad picked out and my mom really wanted to keep it. And so I kind of had to let her just kind of fall on her face before she was realized that she couldn't do it. And then she, you know, we had to sell the house and she moved in with my sister and I moved in with my brother and we were kind of like homeless for a little while. Like we kind of, it was like a really hard time. And it was hard because like I was 18 and all my friends were like, you know, didn't have that many friends, but like everybody that I knew was graduating high school and having fun and like going on trips and like, I was dealing with my dad dying. And then like, it was one thing after that, I'd gotten in a car accident and it was like a seven car pileup accident. And then one of my friends who was not a very good influence, her dog, I, her pit bull attacked me. And it was just like, so yeah, I, I had really bad trauma from pit bulls, but it was just one thing after another. And like, I felt like I didn't really get to process my dad's death because I was too busy taking care of my mom. And so yeah, and it's really interesting because my dad was just always so stay away from drugs and alcohol because he grew up in a family that was, you know, he had two alcoholic parents. He had a brother who died from heroin. He had a brother who was murdered. He had a brother who died from alcohol. He had, he, almost everybody in his family's dead from drugs and alcohol. And so when he converted, that was one thing he was just always like, stay away from drugs and alcohol. But he had um, a lot of back and neck issues. He had a broken neck. And he had um, degenerative disc disease and he just had a lot of issues. And so he was on a lot of uh, prescriptions. So he was on, you know, Oxycontin for a while, which is, you know, if you know anything about Oxycontin, it's pretty much heroin. Like your brain does, your brain does not know the difference between heroin and, and, and a pain pill. You know, you become addicted without, without choosing to. And so he, so he, you know, I, I think it obviously helped his physical pain, but I think he struggled emotionally and so I think it helped numb his emotional pain you know and so there's just like a fine line of like you know where I could just tell that that just like the addiction became you know a problem over the years and but the the year that he died he had worked really hard on getting off of a lot of his pain pills because he wanted to go through the temple with my mom they were building the Ochre Mountain Temple and he wanted to go through it with her he wanted to be worthy enough to so he was he it was the year he died he just sorry he just he just tried really hard to you know fight his demons with addiction because you know it's something he struggled with but i mean but yeah yeah and i'm even like no well, you're with that segue. It's too. <laughs> but thank you, thank you so much for for diving in that deep. Seriously, um, of course. It sounds like it sounds like you had to grow up really fast. I did, yeah, I I did, and so one thing that I started doing at a young age was drinking because it. I I remember drinking and feeling like oh I I feel normal like I did my anxiety's gone I weren't. Like I started drinking at a young age to cope. And I was also going, you know, my mom, you know, when I was younger, I, you know, I've struggled with depression since I was, you know, 12, 13. And so I have been on psych medication since I was 12 for bipolar and depression and anxiety. And that's a, that's a whole nother thing. But I, 
and it's it's been it's been 20 years so i just turned 33 and so i and i actually just got off all my psych medication so it i i made like a, it's like it's crazy so this is like the most sober i've ever been in my entire life and i mean i'm i'm still kind of struggling you know like i said the last year's been rough but like i mentioned earlier the hope you know if you have just like a tiny glimmer of hope if you can like come on, i'm gonna like cry talking about it but if you can like hang on to that and like because you know when you're like depressed and down it's hard to like find something you know especially when you're like caught up in addiction it's sometimes it's hard to choose to get sober because it's really easy being in an uncomfortable place that's why addicts have a hard time getting sober because they like even though it's a terrible situation it's like a toxic relationship even though it's terrible it's it's familiar it's comfortable you know what to expect you stay in it even though it's terrible and it's like and, and you know, my last relationship was not good for either of us. So it's really interesting that being out of it now, feeling so grateful that, you know, we're just different people and it didn't work out. And that's OK. Like different people. That's why there's so many different people on this planet. Like different people are meant to connect with other people and some people connect with other people. And some people you don't like. And that's fine. We're we're not. All, that's why there's so many different people. And that's why it's. That's why it's awesome to have, you know, different people connect with certain people that can reach certain people because, you know, not everybody's on the same level. And so don't know what the question was, but <laughs> I think I think I would personally I would love to to get more into later your choice of of getting off all of your different medications. Oh my gosh, and things. Yes. I think that's super interesting. But I had a question that came to my mind as you're growing up and you have all this trauma growing up, especially with your your dad passing away when you're 18 and growing up in a household where addiction is, I don't know if you'd call it prevalent or not, but prevalent. it was definitely a part of your life. How would you describe your relationship with God as as you're growing up? Oh, dang. That is funny. I sighed and my dog immediately looked at me like, are we good? <laughs> and I'm like, we're good. We're good. <laughs> when I cry or anything, they're just like, are you good, mom? You good? But so my relationship with God it's been, it, man, throughout the years, it's, it's been really up and down. But no matter where I've been, I really have never like stopped believing in God, even even in like my darkest days, because like, you know, like I said, I got I was using alcohol for a while. So I was an alcoholic for oh, my gosh. So I started at 13 and. I mean, I started drinking heavily, heavily after I got married, I got married young. So I got married at 21. And my marriage was just not, we just, you know, we, I think we just weren't obviously meant to be together. And, you know, and I think when you're trying to make a relationship work that, you know, like I said, people just are different and that's okay, but it wasn't good for either one of us. And so, you know, he had his own issues and I, you know, kind of coped with alcohol and it was not good. It was not good. And then it, you know, became drinking every night when I would come home from work to drinking before work to like drinking all the time. And it was to a point where I could not go a day without drinking. And I remember, you know, me and my husband, we would try to, because he was, you know, kind of sick of my, my alcoholic or my, my, my alcohol, but you know, it was hard because, you know, and it's, and, and I, and one thing I really try to do is not talk bad about my ex or like trash talk, like, Oh, my blah, blah, blah. I think, but at the same time, I do want to be able to tell my story. And so, you know, there was a problem with porn in our marriage that really, you know, and I feel like that's something that people have a hard time talking about sometimes. And I I do think, especially in the Mormon church, it it, it needs to be 
you know, just kind of talked about a little bit more. And I remember when I would go to AA, the AA meetings that I loved were at the, the LDS ones, which were my, seriously my favorite ones. Like, cause I've been to lots of LDS or lots of AA meetings, but those freaking LDS ones, like just, I, I would feel so good. Like every time I leave, I'm just like, gosh, this is like fun being here. Like you just, you get like such a good feeling because, so I ended up going to rehab after, you know, a few years into my marriage. And went to rehab and then I met somebody who showed me heroin. And so that I, I got sober from alcohol. And then a month late, a month after, so I was in rehab for a month. And then I got out and me and my husband were having some problems. Still, we just we had a lot of issues and a lot of things came up and I turned to heroin. It was like crazy. It was like a a really fast I it was crazy because I don't even remember what I, I I didn't try to get addicted. I remember like casually like smoking it, being like, "Oh, I'm, I'm not like oh, duh. It's not like I'm gonna get addicted. I'm just doing it here and there." Like, and I remember like being an alcoholic. I thought like I was so much better than the people who did heroin. I'm like, listen, no, I have a full time job. Like, I'm not like you guys. I'm just an alcoholic. Like, and then transfer. I mean, addicts are addicts. Or it's really interesting when you try to justify what you're doing by like, I don't know. The addicts just try to justify things. But yeah, so that switch to heroin, that was a that was a fast switch. And I it was like before I knew it, I was addicted and I didn't, like I said, I didn't, I didn't try to. All of a sudden I remember I woke up one night in the middle of the night and I was withdrawing and I didn't I didn't know that I was withdrawing. I just remember waking up freaking out. I was manic. I was running around the house and my husband's like, what is going on? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, going to find out I was withdrawing. But yeah, so like I got addicted without even trying to. And that's like the delusion that being with, you know, being an addict, you're like, oh, I'm not going to get addicted to that. I'm just I'm just doing it here and there. Like that you don't cat. Nobody casually does heroin. That, that's not how that works. And so and that like almost killed me. So I. I only did heroin for maybe 10 months and it, it, it should have killed me because when I, you know, started out, you just start out with one, you know, heroin comes in like these balloons and I, I started out with one and then towards the end, you know, that's when I started doing crack as well because, you know, you got to balance it out. I was nodding off too much. So I was like, I got to balance it out. And towards the end, I was doing six balloons of crack heroin a day and three balloons of crack and I was down to 90 pounds I was literally a skeleton I I drove around high all the time I got so many flat tires from hitting my car on the curb it was just it was not good it was it went from like I thought I was functioning a functioning heroin addict to like just trash city really quick and so yeah sorry that was just a long-winded answer again but did you did that like affect your relation I I assume your your marriage but other relationships in your life oh my gosh yes because everybody knew that I everybody like knew without knowing that I was doing drugs because I'd show up at family dinners and the first thing I would do is go to the bathroom the first thing I do I had this little case with me of all my stuff and I would go smoke heroin in the bathroom everywhere i Everywhere I went, my every single everywhere I went, I I could not go like thirty minutes without it. And like that obsession, that is like I and I I I've I've said it before, not not here, but like heroin really it it takes your soul. It literally 
it is the darkest. Oh my gosh, it is so dark. And like, I can't even tell you how like good I feel to have that, not only that obsession, but like getting rid of those people and just like, that's the old me. Like, that's not, that's not me. Like, it's crazy to look back at that person and be like, holy freaking cow. Like, what was I? Like, it's just insane. It's insane to think about. It's a trip. But yeah, it, it, everybody, see, again, my, my everybody knew that I was messed up without knowing and I was losing a ton of weight, which I liked because I gained a lot of weight from the alcohol and I had an eating disorder off and on throughout the years. And so when I was doing heroin, I was losing weight and I like loved it. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting so skinny and I don't need to eat. And it was like this delusion that was like the eating disorder on top of my addiction. It was just like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's, it's crazy to look back at. And I'm just like, dude, Lisha, what? <laughs> but, but yeah, everybody, I, I didn't have much of a relationship with my family. And what's my mom, I can't remember how my mom found out I, I don't know. My mom found out one day and then she called my husband's mom and told her and then she told his whole family that everybody knew. And then I was like kind of pissed off that they told everybody. And but I was like, well, whatever, I guess everybody knows. And so it kind of it kind of felt better, though, once it was out in the open, because I felt like it was when I was actually trying to get sober and I felt like it was kind of a way to keep me held accountable you know if everybody's aware of like my actions and you know me going to the bathroom or stuff like that it just kind of you know so initially I was kind of annoyed and then I was like all right I mean where's the where's the silver lining in this you know it's not that bad like you're a drug addict <laughs> people people are gonna talk and that'll help you know hold me accountable and it did it did because when I was getting sober um the one thing I, I wanted because I was on probation at the time and I was literally going in, taking drug tests and failing. failing. I, every time I go in, well, and it, since I failed, they would make me test like four times a month. I had to go in weekly because I was failing and I would fail for, for heroin and I didn't care. Like that's how I was on. I was going in failing weekly and it, it would show positive heroin and I, I didn't care. I didn't care. I was like, what are you guys going to do? <laughs> like, that's how bad addiction is. Is it the, Legal repercussions don't matter. It, it messed with my marriage. That any sort of that is what the thing is with addiction it does not it it just it will ruin everything it just just takes takes your whole life away it really does oh my gosh and especially with heroin like that is just such a dark like it takes your soul and i i literally it took me a long time to get it back i'm not joking like it took me a long time to feel like at peace with with who i was and who i am and mm -hmm not try to make myself feel bad for the actions I've done in the past. And that took a, that took a while to get there, but. So what, oh, sorry, Brady, did you have something? Nope. I, we're probably asking the same question. So go for it. I was, I was just going to say, I think in, in my own life, it, it took, and what I've seen with a lot of people that I've worked with, it takes a, it takes a rock bottom moment to kind of trigger the actual change that, that, and that ends up that results in, you know, long-term sobriety and, and kind of coming back to God. So what was what was that rock bottom moment for you? Well, dude, and rock bottom, I've realized, has many layers. Sometimes yeah. you think when, you're rock bottom. When was bottom. the last rock bottom? You're <laughs> like, man, this is like the worst thing of my entire life. And you're just like, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, bam, there's a new there's a new layer. The new level. No, 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 no. There's a new level. level. <laughs> and it's like, okay, like rock, rock bottom has many layers. And it's 
I guess it, 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 it took me almost dying because I remember there were several times when I would use heroin and I would feel like I did too much. And I remember physically the last time I, the last time I used heroin, the very last time I actually used Narcan on myself because I was afraid I did too much. The thing with heroin, it is so scary because you can either get a batch that's like 10% potent or you can get a batch that's like 85% potent. It is really scary because you don't know what it's cut with. You don't know how strong it is. There sometimes I would, I would, you know, get it from somebody and I'd be like, this is crap. I'd go through or whatever. And then I'd get it from somebody else. I'd take one hit. And it's just like, it's scary, especially now because it's laced with freaking fentanyl. And it is, it is, I truly, I feel so grateful that I would never do heroin again. Even going through this work last year and being at the lowest of lows, the heroin never even crossed my mind. Like that, oh my gosh, that. I was, I was actually going to ask if you ever had to use Narcan on yourself because. Yeah, so that that's the, last time I, the last time I used it, I remember being like, I did too much. I did too much. And like, and it, and it, oh my gosh, it's just so scary because you you don't know what's in it. You don't know what's in it, especially now where like people like want strong drugs. So they, it's just, it's scary. I don't, I, I feel so grateful to, to not be on it now. But yeah, so the last time I, I used, I was like, I did too much. I don't want to die. And then I was like, that and so well here's the thing so because when I started getting sober I'd gone a few months with my sobriety I got I think I got like four months clean and then the day I relapsed I got a DUI and you know so that's when you think like oh this layer's a new low it's like oh bam DUI and it's like well Alicia you used what did you what did you think was gonna happen what did you think was gonna happen something good was something good gonna happen and so I felt like Looking back, I'm like, all right, I deserve that. And here's the thing is because I was on my way to to go take in because I was uh, going to probation. Because here's the thing is they were, well, before they were alcohol testing me, but I was doing heroin. So I was tricking the system. And then they tested for everything. And that's when they found out that I had heroin. I was like, ah, crap. So that's when I was failing all my tests. And then, but yeah, so it... The rock bottom, just so many layers. Just, yeah, the DUI, I was like, well, you know, you deserve that. And then just it finally stopping talking. One big thing that I've realized is you can't, like, I don't, I don't talk to people who are addicts. Like I, I drop uh, so many people and it feels good. Like I don't have very many friends now. I really don't. And I'm okay with that because I would rather have I would rather have quality, not quantity. I would rather have a, four quarters and a hundred pennies. I'd rather have a few good friends that are like just good, solid friends and a bunch of superficial people who don't care about me. Like I, my circle is small and I'm okay with that because I'd rather have no friends than toxic or crappy friends. Like, and for a while I was so lonely that I stayed in my relationship that was unhealthy or I talked to people that did not make me feel good about myself or that we're good people because I was lonely. And now, oh my gosh, nope, 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 nope. I do not feel that way at all. Like I will, and it's taken a year because, you know, like I said, my, my ex, so I'm going to take a drink of water. So I got my DUI. It was almost a year ago, exactly. And that was when my ex left. And it's, it's been a, it's crazy to think it's been a year process. But I finally am like, oh my gosh, I would rather be alone any day than be around somebody or talk to somebody I don't like. Like, 
No, I'm good. I actually stopped talking to a lot of people. I was like, you know what? You're you're not a good friend. You're not a good person. You're not very nice to me. And I don't like you. And I just don't think we should be friends anymore. But I hope you take care. And then I blocked him. But like, I just, I literally had to stop talking to a lot of people where I was like, you're not, you know, going through, like I said, going through this divorce, like the lowest point of my life. Like you see, who you see who's really there for you when you go through hard times. And I feel like we're, we're not on this earth to make each other's problems go away, but we're here to help each other through the problems we do have. And that's why there are different people who connect with. And, and, you know, one thing I think is, you know, if there's ever a chance or an opportunity where you can help somebody big or small, help them. You know, I feel like, I feel like God answers people's prayers through other people sometimes. And I feel like, you know, if you're help you know there's an opportunity for you to come up and help somebody then who knows you know you might just be an answer to somebody else's prayers or just like a help I don't know I just feel like if you have the chance I I just I think we should this world right now is just everybody's so divided and I just feel like we should be helping each other you know and being there for each other supporting each other like this and like like I said this last year one thing I've realized is the most valuable thing is time like I, because I haven't been able to drive, I got fired from my, because I, I did have a job. I was working in DMBA for nine years and I, I quit that job like a year before. So I haven't worked for a little bit, but, and so, so I've been home a lot of the time, just like alone, really dealing with like a lot. And, and it's the first time I've been alone in my entire life. And so I've had a lot of trauma come to the surface from like my dad dying or just a lot of issues, you know, and I'm in, I'm in therapy, right? And I've been in therapy for years and I'm a big advocate for, for therapy, but it's, there's a lot of feelings that have come to the surface that I'm like actually feeling because I'm a sober and I'm feeling it. And it like physically hurts. Like, gosh, like this, ugh, sorry, but like, yeah, this last year has just been, it's been dark. I've been in the a really dark place and you know it's as stupid as it yeah. sorry as stupid as it sounds like my dogs have been like a bigger support than pretty much any person it's i just oh sorry but uh, it has been hard because like i said i've you know been home and i I got fired from a couple of jobs, which was just like all these things that were just happening where I'm like, what is going on? And like, why is my life so terrible? And, you know, and then it it sucked because like, I didn't want to feel these these feelings, but I didn't want to use because I, I even, you know, across my mind, like I could do heroin, I could drink, but like, nah, that's, that's stupid. It's a dumb idea. Like, I, it, you play the tape is what my therapist calls it. And, you know, if you are going to relapse, think about it. Okay, what's going to happen? You relapse and then what? you instantly regret it and then you instantly make yourself feel bad. And then it's like you're stuck in this shame cycle where it's really hard to progress and move on because you're stuck on this relapse. And then you, it, dude, when you get stuck in like a mini relapse, like, cause there's, I've had long bouts of sobriety and then like, you know, you have a relapse and then it's really easy for that relapse to turn into a day or two days or three days. Like it's, and so it's just like, you know, you play the tape, you relapse and then what's going to happen? You use and then what? It's like, it's never worth it. And here's the thing is like cravings usually pass. So I, cause I did, I did learn a lot in therapy or a lot, a lot in rehab aside from meeting somebody who's a heroin. I did, there was a lot that I learned and the, 
the therapist that I had there is my therapist that I still see now. And he is amazing. And luckily, I'm able to see him via Zoom. So that's helpful for me. But yeah, but like, you know, kind of back to what you were saying earlier, like my relationship with God throughout. So this this last year, I'd say I I felt closer to God than I have in my entire life. And even though like I've been like I said, I've been just so lonely and like literally only having my dog's company and you know, it's really hard because my ex, you know, lives with his parents and he has a job, two jobs. And, you know, he's always around. He's or He couldn't even be alone if he wanted to. He's always around his family. And it like makes me jealous because I like really miss my dad. And, and, you know, me and my mom, we're a lot closer now and we do have a relationship. But, you know, she's remarried. She has her own life. And, you know, all my siblings, everybody just kind of has their own life. And I just feel like I'm just still kind of trying to, you know, figure out where I belong. But I've just felt because there's some days where like the only person I would talk to would be God. And there'd be times where so a few weeks ago, so oh, so I was coming off my psych meds a few weeks ago because I was just having a lot of problems with my health. I've been, you know, and I've been on psych meds for 20 years. And I've also had a really crappy diet where I've just like I've had a problem with sugar. I love sugar. And I know it sounds stupid, but like, I don't know if you know anything about sugar. Sugar is more addicting than cocaine. Like sugar, in a study with, it is, in a study with mice, they literally preferred sugar water over cocaine. Sugar, I mean, studies, I, I think they said it's around eight times more. Who knows what like the logistics of the percentage of how much, but it is, it's more addicting than cocaine. And I've had such a hard time with just like, so the last, years I've just been home I've literally just been eating sugar like daily and that like sugar causes inflammation which causes a lot of depression honestly if you have a really crappy diet you're not going to be happy so I I don't know I don't even know what triggered me to get off my psych meds oh because I went to my doctor and I have issues with my liver and yeah I I have a lot of issues with my liver and that's from being an alcoholic and being a drug addict and I do not like detox very well. And so I was just like, you know what? My, so when I went and saw my doctor, my liver is not doing very good at all. And so I was just like, I don't want to be on medications anymore. This isn't helping me. I've done it for 20 years and I'm going to change my diet and get off my medication. So I, I just barely got off my psych meds maybe two months ago. And it was like, the withdrawals were terrible. Oh my gosh. Like it, it was like, I didn't sleep for like days. My sleep schedule still kind of off, but I didn't sleep for days. And then I was like getting psychosis and like, oh my gosh, it was just, and I've had, and I've really worked on like my diet, but I tell you what, I feel so much better being off of, and I'm not anti-medication because I still take things sometimes for anxiety or whatever, but it's not the way I did before. And it feels good. Like I've done it for 20 years and it just, it's, I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm finally stepped, you know, and I, it feels good to be, you know, out of the, my, my last relationship. I feel so, cause you know, it was something I, I really wanted to go back with my ex at several months after, you know, um, he left or whatever. And now I feel so, there's this thing that I try to do. It's called radical acceptance. It's what I've learned in therapy. And it's, you know, you either change how you feel about the situation. Well, you either accept the situation and like stay miserable where I was like, I, or you, you know, you fight the situation or you change how you feel about the situation or like there's another corner to that. But I finally was like, you know what? Like, 
and it don't even mean it mean, but I was like, dang, I actually don't want to be with you anymore. Like, it feels really good to be like, you know what? We're just not meant to be together because, you know, and as we've spent so much time apart, I finally, and I, I'm growing to love myself because that's one thing I've had a really hard time with. My entire life is self-love. And in this last relationship, I feel like I kind of lost myself and was relying on validation from my husband at the time rather than loving myself. And one of the things I learned in rehab, which is one of my favorite sayings, is you are with you wherever you go. And so, I mean, that's it. I sounded like I was going to say more, but it's like you, you are with you wherever you go. So take care of you. And I put so much of my effort and my time into my relationship and I've taken all that energy and I'm putting it into myself and it feels good because I swear for the last 20 years, I've just had this narrative of like self-loathing and not being kind to myself and just being so hard on myself, you know, and also being an addict and, and, and just working on, working on my feelings and my trauma and my anger. Cause I've had a lot of issues come to the surface where like I was angry for a while and I was just like pissed off at everybody for my circumstances and for a minute I was kind of mad at God and then I'm like all right it's not God's fault let's chill and there's some days where I'm like God dude what's going on what is this you know but my relationship with God this last year I it has been so close like I I truly feel like it's not even you know and that's you know when you talk about God it's like you it's like a faith thing and like one thing that so and I also have so I'm sure you can see I have some tattoos I also have a CTR tattoo on my finger and one thing I realized because you know I've heard you know you hear the saying choose the right choose the right whatever choose the right whatever you know sometimes when you hear a quote and all of a sudden it clicks you're like oh my gosh that's what that means so I don't even know what made me think of this but it's like when you're choosing the right like it's you are aware because this last while I've had to really make choices to not talk to people who aren't good influences, you know, people who like friends who are trying to take me out to the bar when they know I'm a recovering alcoholic or people who, who, you know, don't have your best interests, you know? And I feel like sometimes, you know, and as much as like, you know, I say God can answer prayers to other people. Sometimes people come into your life who are good people. Sometimes people, and you have to have that, that discernment to be like, okay, this person does not have my best interest for me. And like, talk to people who are good have have good friends you can't have like shady friends and be like oh I talked to so-and-so but they're like a drug addict or like I don't know they're not a good person or I don't know you you really have to be careful with who you surround yourself with like an influence is so important and your diet is not just what you eat it's what you listen to it's what you watch it's who you talk to it's the things you consume and if you're consuming garbage and all this negativity like you're not gonna have like a healthy mindset I've had to really do a lot of like detoxing of like okay Alicia what are you doing what what are your values like one thing I've and and that's another thing I learned from rehab is you know I picked we picked seven values when I got out I actually picked 10 but I had values that like I revolved my life around and you know Mm -hmm. I have integrity and just commitment and service and gratitude and just spirituality just a lot of things and I feel like having integrity just really falls in line with choosing the right because it's choosing the right is when you are you're aware of all these bad influences in the world, but you choose not, you choose not to. Like I could have drank this last year as I was super depressed or I could have, you know, done things that would not, that it maybe are fleeting, but like, is that going to make me feel good in the long run, you know? And so I've really, I've really detoxed, not, not, not just food, but just people, things that are healthy, things that aren't good for you, just things that distract you from, 
I mean, the spirit, whatever you want to call it, because it's like that, that energy. I'm so big on energy. I can talk to someone for five seconds and be like, I don't like you. And I don't know why, but your, your, your energy is bad. Or like, like I, I'm so big on energy. And the thing is, is like, it's like the saying a picture's or uh, a picture's worth a thousand words because 80% of communication is nonverbal. And that's why you can get such a big message across in a picture. You, there's so many things and so many, you can get a message across in a picture. And that's why like, I don't know, like that, that, I don't know. I'm just so big on energy. And like when you're inviting people or situations or things that aren't good and you, you get that bad feeling, you don't get that. I don't know. It's like, you know, when something's not good, you know, when people or situations or things that you're doing are not, you know, just, you know, the feeling anyways, sorry, that was a, I don't know where I was going with that, but no, that was, oh yeah. But yeah, my, my relationship with God, like this last year, man, me, God, God's my best friend. He's, he, he's, he's, he knows what's up. <laughs> I'm curious. You kind of already started diving into it. I want to dive kind of more into it, your sobriety process. So sounds like you had to detox from obviously the substances, but also kind of like your lifestyle, right? Addiction is kind of, it's very involving of your life, including people and the substances. But can you kind of talk a little bit more about your sobriety process and kind of you're still in it I would assume yeah absolutely so when I first got sober off of heroin I my because my mom was like give me one second I'm just gonna grab something give me one sec totally good when I first got sober my mom my mom was like you're, I'm gonna call the cops. I, you're gonna go to jail. My mom was just kind of like threatening me, and you know, I'm on heroin. I'm like, listen, this is this is not gonna work. You're not this is this threatening. This isn't gonna work. But my stepdad, there was oh, man, there was one night in particular where I was super high, and I was I went and did drugs. The person I was doing drugs like it was just not good. It was just like, excuse me, hanging out with people who aren't good. Like like thinking about it honestly makes me sick to my stomach. It's just like the mindset I was in oh my gosh I like I look back and I like feel bad for myself I no longer feel shame or like feel like I'm such a piece of crap I feel sorry for myself I'm like dang you were really hurting you know and but so I remember my my mom was like I called the cops not as bad my husband at the time didn't really know what to do but my stepdad of all people was like you know he just asked me he's like Leisha what do you need and I was just like if, if people can just spend the next, you know, two weeks, the next two weeks, somebody just spend time with me all the time. I just need somebody with me all the time for the next two weeks, just so I don't go buy drugs, please. Like I, cause my mom was, my mom was going to call it. My mom was so sick of my crap. She was going to call the cops on me and it was just bad. And my, and my stepdad was like, let's just, let's, let's give her a chance. And so like they, people who I had my family, like in groups were like, my husband's sister would hang out with me for a few hours and then I'd go to his parents' house and his, I'd hang out with, with his mom for a few hours and then I, my, I'd hang out with my mom for the day. And I just, I actually spent time with people and that was like really healing. And like I mentioned earlier, like as I've gone through this dark place this last year, I've just realized people's time is the most important thing. Like, cause there was a while I was struggling with money. I wasn't able to work and then I got really sick. I wasn't paying, wasn't able to pay my bills. My gosh, I'm, my credit dropped like, I don't know, 300 points. I've got all these debt collectors calling me. I'm like, I don't have any money. And as much, and then I, I did get some money at some point. But, but even after being so broke for a while, like I realized like money doesn't buy you support. 
money doesn't buy you friends. Money doesn't buy you like, and I realized like, you know, as I said, this last year has been lonely. Like you can't do things on your own. You really can't. If, if you can, right. like you must be strong. But I just realized in this, in this life, like you, we need help. We need support. We really do. We need connection. That's like the opposite of addiction is connection. And when you're, you know, stuck in that cycle of addiction and shame, it is so hard to get out of that because that shame, that shame will get you so hard. And that's like Satan. That's literally Satan right there telling you, you are bad. Not what you're doing, but you are bad. And that's the biggest thing. Even my therapist now, and we talk sometimes and occasionally I'd be like, when he hears me talking, he's like, all right, Lisa, what's the difference between guilt and shame? And I'm like, guilt is what I'm doing is bad. Shame is I'm bad. And he's like, all right, no, what are you, what are you saying? And I'm like, all right, yeah, like I... That is one thing I have a hard time with is shaming myself. And that I think that's very common with a lot of addiction. And that's that's why a lot of people, you know, stay in that addiction because, it, you know, the secret, the silency and the shame, they stay in that, you know, the Satan wants you to to not talk about it and to keep it a secret. And that's what addicts do. They keep it a secret. They They have this connection to this drug that they're doing, you know, and you cannot fix a spiritual problem with a physical substance ever. And you will run into that where, where you're trying to heal with, with drugs. You will never, you will never, you will never heal because you're always chasing, you're chasing, you're chasing, you're always chasing and you never get there. It's just like a never ending chase. And then you don't get there. And then you're still, then you st you're still left with feeling of like, and, and so it's, you know, it's, that's why I think it's really good to talk about things, you know, talk about your issues and, you know. It, it let people know to hold you accountable so that, you know, I, I think it's it's good to talk about it with people. Don't keep it a secret, you know, because it's that's what Satan wants. He wants you to keep it a secret, make you feel like you're a piece of crap and you are bad, not what you're doing. And that's just one thing I do have to catch myself like, hey, I'm not bad. What I'm doing isn't cool. So knock that off. But you're not bad, you know, and that's one thing I, I've really worked on with my self-love is and another thing my, my therapist has had us do, which I, I still try to do in my life, and it sounds kind of lame, but it's where you say, I love you in the mirror for two minutes. And so in rehab, they they made us do that daily. And I remember we were in group one day and my therapist was like, I don't know, because I was talking about something about how much I hated myself or something or, or how I was ugly. And he's like, did you say your I love you in the mirror today? And I was like, no. And so he grabs the mirror. <laughs> That's a time where in front of the whole group, I was like, why did I say that? And I'm honest. You know, I, I don't lie. That, that is one thing about me. I am honest to a fault. And I actually take pride in that. Like, I don't lie. I don't even like to lie. First of all, I'm a sucky lie. You could tell if I'm lying. But I don't like to lie. I don't like to. Like, that does, I, I take pride out of being like, being honest. And I love that. I love that about myself. Like, I may be a lot of things, but I'm not a liar. But I can't remember where I was going with that. I got distracted. You're talking about Sorry. the mirror. Uh, oh, yeah. So he pulls out the mirror, makes me say I love you in front of the group for two minutes, which is the longest two minutes of my life. That is a long two minutes. It is. But my my but I it really is helpful, like because it sounds dumb, but it's like it, it does something to your brain when you say because your brain does not know the difference between like if you're just like, man, I'm so stupid or I'm so ugly or I'm this and that like. That is one thing I do is I, I, I talk bad about myself. So I've had to really work on not talking bad about myself and not like, I don't know. I just, just being kind to yourself and being like, when, when you say things out loud, like, oh my gosh, I'm so awesome. Or I'm so smart. Or I'm so good at that. Like 
it does something to your brain where you 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 do you start to believe it and so when you say those things out loud it's I, I think it's important I've had to really work on catching myself when I think negatively and like not doing the you know which is hard it's really hard because it's really easy to be negative and to think negative oh my gosh it's so easy so you have to sometimes you do have to physically like force yourself and so yeah well I love I love the, the different keys that you could have touched on for sobriety like like connection, like taking yourself out of environments that are definitely negative for your health and for all those different things. I wanted to ask you real quick, because connection, I, I agree with you 100%. Connection is the opposite of addiction. And when you're connected to people, one, most, most mental health struggles go away. But two, addiction doesn't become a thing anymore when you're truly connected with others. But I think the most important connection in each of our lives is our connection with, with our Heavenly Father. Um, Malaysia, how, did, how do you connect with, with God? on a day-to-day basis. How do you keep that connection there? I I love that you said that actually, because I think that I you are a hundred percent right on that. Like I, like I said, like this last year, there's some days the only person I talked to was God. And and it's been, you know, and it went from like being so like hating being alone, like, oh, I'm so low to all of a sudden being like, I'm good. Like it kind of sounds lame, but I do have God. Like, and I talk to God daily like all the time sometimes it's a little more formal but sometimes i'm like god like i am struggling like i need some help or like but i truly like i talk to god like a me i talk to god like a friend you know and sometimes i you know and i i i do talk to my dad sometimes and i but i, I think that is so true because as i've like this last while like i've said i've just it, i I, it's just been lonely and it's been it's been you know I've really had like my dogs for support I've just been like you know I've like found myself like wanting to go out or wanting to do some or like you know knowing people are going on doing things and kind of getting and I'm like you know what like you know or like finding myself thinking like well maybe I'll just reach out to so-and-so knowing they're not a good person just because I'm lonely and I'm like no 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 like I found myself wanting to kind of resort to older behaviors just because I'm lonely. And that's one thing I've really had to work through. It's just like, you know what? Like, no, it's cool. Like you have you, you know, you're a good person and you know, you have God. And, and I also just think like keeping the spirit in your life by with what, what you watch, what you listen to. One thing I've noticed is like, I don't know, I've just cut out a lot of things before that were really toxic in my life and really negative where you just you don't get a good feeling and you don't have like the spirit. And so I, I mean, there was a lot of, even just like music I would listen to where I'm like, man, this is kind of dark. I don't know about this. Or like, yeah, this doesn't sound too good. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. Some, you know, energy, energy is real, you know, go die. I, I, like I said, I am big on energy. And so I just think taking those things out of your life so you do have this spirit and you do feel good because when you like I said your diet isn't just what you what you eat but it's it's everything and so I think having like a you know a a clean diet with 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 what you do and who you talk to and what you listen to what you watch you know and you 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 know what's good you I mean you don't have anybody anybody like watching you so it's like having integrity you know I think that's important Mm -hmm. that's like one of my values I think it's you know, just doing the right thing when nobody's around, you know, like, cause God sees, you mean, you, you, cause there are some people who I have seen where I'm like, dude, you are so fake and you're a liar and I see what you're doing, but like, who are you trying to fool? Like, but I don't know. I just think like distancing yourself from people who aren't, who aren't a good influence, people who don't have your best interests or not talking to people just because you're lonely, you know, like, 
I feel like I would rather have God and my dogs as friends any day than have like toxic people in my life. And I, I said this, but like I would choose my dog's life over any person I know. My dogs, they are they're my best friends. They have like really like helped. They've really, they've really gotten me through some dark times. And so, but also knowing like, just knowing that I have God there, like, it's not even just like, oh, I think God's there. Like, I know God's there. Like, I know he's there. I know it, you know? And so. And that's, that's, that's an important principle you hit on too. Like there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Yeah. To be alone. You, you know who you are, you know, your identity as, as a daughter of God. And it's like, doesn't exactly. matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter if you've been on heroin before. It doesn't matter if you've been an alcoholic before. Like who you are right now as a daughter of God is what matters most. And you're okay to be there sitting by yourself. If that's the case. Because that connection with God is there and you can remember who you truly are. Oh my God. You, so you said it exactly. Because like I said, for a while, I was just like so lonely. Knowing like my ex is going out and doing things. And my mom and so like people are just like, I, and I just am like, well, maybe I'll do this and then I, like, you know, you got to play the tape. It's like, okay, what's going to, then, then what's going to happen? Okay, then what? And so that, that, and so exactly, it has gone down to that where I'm like, where I was so lonely for a while. And all of a sudden I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm alone, but I'm not, lo I'm not lonely. I, you are, you said it exactly. I know who I am. I feel solid with, and you know what? It's taken, and, and you know what? I actually, you know, like you said, it's taken a year for, from this divorce or from the separation. But since, you know, we, we separated, I feel so grateful for the divorce. I feel so grateful for all these things because it's like really taking me to where I am right now. And I feel like I have an unshakable testimony, character, whatever you want to call it. And I don't know. I'm just really big on, oh, there's something else I was going to say, but just like, in, you know, integrity. And yeah, there's something else I'm going to say I thought of. But yeah, but just knowing like, I've got God, I don't, I don't need. And, you know, also it just really kind of made me realize like all this stuff here, it's so superficial. It's all this stuff here. It's literally just stuff. We can't take this with us because there was, there was a few weeks where like, I, I didn't like sleeping in me and my ex's bedroom anymore. So I brought my mattress down to the living room and I just was kind of living in my living room. I was depressed. I were, and I was just like, and then I, I found myself wanting to like go shopping. And then I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I don't know. Like it just, it, I, don't, I don't even know. It just, it just kind of all of a sudden I was like, what, what really matters like on earth? What really matters? What really matters? Like if I were to die, cause you know, my liver was messed up. You know, anyways, but like, well, like if I were to die in here, what, how would I want to be spending my life? What really matters? You know, yeah. what there's so many things that are superficial that I like catch myself being like, does, does this really matter? Do I need to go buy all this stuff? Do I need to do this? Like so many things. It's really interesting. Cause I used to never leave the house without a full face of makeup. I was always ready, always had my hair curled. And then I went to the complete opposite where I was home all the time. I never got ready, was wearing sweats 24 seven. It was just home in this like dark cocoon all the time, never going out in the world. And then it's just like, what really matters? You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, but I love that you, you hit that because I think it's important to always look retrospectively. I don't know if that makes sense. But no, um, when you look back at your life and when you look back at the decisions that you're making, is it going to get you to where you want to go? Where, what is the purpose of life? Are you trying to do this to get to that? If not, then we should probably stop doing it. And exactly. There's so many distractions. 
Oh, 100%. I think a big thing in our podcast that we always highlight is it's finding those little pockets of light, of connection. Glimmer. And I just wanted to ask, and it's kind of like our final question, um, wrapping up thoughts. What is one little, what is one thing that you would say to our listeners who possibly are going through the same thing as you, have an addiction that they're really trying to get out of, or somebody's in the middle of sobriety? What is one thing that you would tell them that you would bring into the light to kind of help them see it through? So first of all is find somebody to tell, to talk to. Do not keep this to yourself. Do not be, do not secret, silency, and shame are like the recipe for addiction and keeping all of that. So do find somebody that you can tell to talk to that can help hold you accountable, you know, Maybe, maybe you don't have a sobriety plan. That's fine. Just find somebody to tell. Let us find somebody to let them know so, so that you are not holding this by yourself. Find somebody you trust that isn't going to judge you because, you know, there's a lot of people with addiction. It's just like, why don't you just stop? And it's like, it's a great idea, you know, but you know, some people just don't understand addiction. And so find somebody you can trust that. And, and secondly, don't feel shame. What you're doing isn't cool, but you're not that bad. We do not get value from the things we, how much money we have, the job we have, what kind of clothes we have, what kind of house we have. Our value comes from being ourselves. Like we are, gosh, I'm about to cry, but like we just have value just by being us. Like that is, you don't have value by getting your bachelor's degree or this and that. Those are great things, but your value comes from you. So don't feel bad about, addiction is freaking hard to break. So just realize guilt versus shame, which is so much easier said than done. But, you know, and also, like I said, I'm a big advocate for therapy. So, you know, I would suggest find a therapist, find a trusted friend, find a therapist. Do not keep this to yourself. Find people to help hold you. Even if you're not getting sober, just find people so that you aren't keeping this to yourself. And one big thing is, you know, again, watching who you surround yourself with, the type of people you talk to. And is this, you know, is this bringing you closer to God or is this bringing you closer to Satan, you know, and you're either working on a relapse or you're working towards your sobriety. So it's like, are you actively, because it's really easy to get just distracted by all these things in life. You get distracted and then all of a sudden you lose focus of what's important, you know, and, but then you got to kind of reel it in. Okay. What really matters? You know, what, what am I doing? You know? And so and also just being kind to yourself, you know, do I love using the mirror? You know, do I like using the mirror? Whatever. But, you know, because sometimes when you when you are stuck in that addiction cycle, you kind of hate yourself, you know, so it's really easy. So you got to work on, you know, you're just not going to go from hating yourself to loving yourself. You know, you can't hate yourself into loving yourself. Like I remember when I was working on my self-love, like, my gosh, why don't I freaking love myself? I'm so stupid. And like, I would make myself feel bad because I didn't love myself. My therapist is like, you are not going to hate yourself into loving yourself. And you you kind of start with tolerating yourself, you know, and then you kind of like yourself and then you love yourself. It's not like an instant thing, but being kind, being kind to yourself, writing down. I think journaling is, is also really, that's something I've been doing for years. I have many journals and I think journaling is really awesome because your brain processes things so fast. And then you kind of sit down and you write things out. It slows down the process and you kind of digest things a little bit better in it. I think it's, it's very therapeutic. And so journaling is always good. And then it's also cool to like, I'll look at a, a journal from like, 
I don't know, eight months ago. And I'll be like, dang, I was doing so bad. Like, I, you know, I thought I was doing bad now, but I'm, I'm not so bad. Like I was much worse eight months ago. Like, okay, things are looking up. And then, you know, also just finding like the glimmer in things like just the good in any situation. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of crappy things that happen and it's really life, you know, just happens, but just finding the glimmer in a situation and which is hard to do sometimes, trust me. <laughs> but, but anyways, yeah, that's, that's my little, little piece. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I think I, I always, um, I love it when addicts and addicts for recovery come on to the podcast because you guys, you just, you just have a different energy. And like when you're, when you're in recovery, you just, you're feeling good about yourself and you're feeling hopeful. And I think more than anything, you've spread that message of hope today. And we're really grateful for that. And I think the main takeaway that I've taken from this episode is, is the process. It's always a process. And as long as you're trying your hardest each and every day, that's all that really matters. So Alicia, you right out of you. And you let God take care of the rest. I've that's got more right. quotes. I've got a book of quotes. <laughs> like you do your best, let God take care of the rest. But you do got to do your best. Don't do some half job. Do your best. You know, do your real best. <laughs> exactly. And you know what your best is. So, but Yeah. <laughs> I have a, I had a coworker that used to say, and I'm just going to censor it for this podcast purposes. She said, we don't have about anything. We use our full food. I've heard that before. I've heard that before. That's funny. That's funny. Thank you so much, Lisa. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was really nice meeting you guys. Yeah. Well, thank you listeners for listening to this episode. We hope you know how much we love you and how much God loves you as well. We'll see you next time.